Trinity Outreach Ministries International, a teaching ministry where lives are changed through prayer, worship, the word, fellowship, and outreach. So many smiling faces in the house today. What a blessing. Can somebody say, praise the Lord. Ah, that is good. I like that one. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, welcome to Trinity Outreach Ministries International. We are found by experience here at Trinity that the closer you get in your relationship with God, the greater is the impact in a positive sense on your life. That your life is changed for the better. As you get closer to God in your relationship with God, that is what we have found as our experience here at Trinity. And we have found that there are five ways that we can get closer to God. And those five ways are prayer, worship, the word, fellowship, and outreach. Today we turn our attention to 1 Corinthians. We started this year looking at one book each month. And we started in the book of Matthew in January. And July brings us to 1 Corinthians. Before we get into 1 Corinthians, however... I would just like to share briefly with you the need, the desperate need for us to understand Christianity and our relationship with God. Someone sent me a TikTok this week in which a gentleman was pointing out that the way how the churches are arranged in this day and time, just like how we are arranged today, sitting in these rows, all facing the front with a platform, is not the way that it was done in the early church. So I responded to the person and told them, yes, he is right. This way of arranging the church services came in as a result of the Greek assemblies. And this has nothing to do with how the early church was arranged. So the guy on TikTok was right. So sometimes it is good to verify these things and to ensure that, you, that somebody is telling you the truth. As a matter of fact, the early church started in homes. They didn't have church buildings for hundreds of years. And in those homes, they would sit in a horseshoe arrangement. Somewhat like the arrangement that we had when we set up for the fellowship Sunday. Anybody remembers the arrangement we used on the fellowship Sunday? With every, the, the church set up somewhat like a horseshoe. That was the original arrangement for the church, for the early church. 
But as they started to build and construct church buildings, they copycatted the Greek assembly halls. And so you started to find these rectangular buildings going as a, a platform at the front and then a long rectangular building with all the rows facing the front. So, so the guy was on to something. So that is the truth. And now you know the truth and you know where it came from. So the early church never sat like this in a series of rows facing the front. They sat in a horseshoe arrangement with the minister in the middle of the horseshoe arrangement. The other thing that uh, now that my mind is on that and just throwing for good measure so that you could be blessed and increase your knowledge and wisdom of the things of God is that the, the church for the last maybe 1,500 years has said that the worship should set the tone for the word. And so going back all those years, way back, you find that the worship set the tone, has been setting the tone for the word. Uh, you can go to as many churches around the world in as many different countries as you want, and you'll find that they'll have a fantastic worship session followed by the word. That is completely opposite again to how the early church did it. And these are things that people coming to Trinity should not be surprised when somebody sends them on TikTok. You, you should be just be able, like I did, to just say, yeah, that is true. Or no, that's not true. The early church believed and stuck with the principle that worship was set and based on the word. Not the word based on worship. And therefore, for the first few hundred years of the church, you will start the service with the word. And everyone will be sitting like a horseshoe arrangement, and you began the service with the word. You completed the service with the worship, and the worship was based on what the word was. So down through the years, we have changed it completely, swept it completely around. I have no issue with either one, but in the book of Nehemiah that we are going through, we're going to find that they adhere to the format used by the earlier church, by the early church. Uh, Ezra read the scroll and explained it first, and then they went into a series of worship. So they adhere to that same format that was used by the, the early church. Well, welcome to Trinity.
enough for general information and now into 1 Corinthians. Again, it has been my pleasure and privilege to be your pastor for the, another week and we give God praise as the ministry continues to grow. Over the last two weeks, I spent a lot of time giving the background and going into some of the issues. And today, in the time that we have left, I'm going to try as many of the, these issues as we can get covered here today. So please have something to write on, something to write with, and have an open Bible and be prepared to move quickly. Please stay focused as you go forward in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I bow in your presence today with what objective? And that objective, Lord, is that having heard the word, your people will follow Jesus. Lord, we reflect on John the Baptist. And the scriptures say that having heard John the Baptist, they followed Jesus. I ask, Lord, that everything that is said here will show this congregation how to have a closer relationship with God so that you, Lord, can have a positive impact on their lives. Help us not to bring this to a close with just being aware with some head knowledge of the many issues facing the Corinthian church, but Lord, to see the relevance to our lives today and how we can benefit from this session to have a better relationship with you and to be more progressive and successful in our Christian walk. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I will start today at issue number four. We ended last week at issue number four, so I'll pick right back up at issue number four. And it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I will not be very long there since we hit on it a little bit last week. The issue there was a lack of spiritual growth and development. A lack of spiritual growth and development. Brothers, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and in many instances, just reading the word is enough. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as though you are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the fleshly mindset, and therefore you are still not spiritually mature. The New King James puts it this way, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as, as the spiritual people, but as carnal, as the babes in Christ. And so, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, was addressing the issue 
of a lack of spiritual growth and development. Every now and then I am broadsided, shocked, appalled, surprised, and then I have to realize why are you so surprised? By someone who is in the church for many, many, many years. And to hear how thin skin, how easily offended, how lack of depth of spiritual knowledge and growth and development the person has for the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years. That it comes over as a shock. And then you say, you realize that longevity does not mean depth nor maturity. And age is not always synonymous with wisdom. You can be old and stupid. And here it is that the Apostle Paul is crying out to the Corinthian church. Where is your spiritual growth, man? I ask myself, Mike, this was the Corinthian church. What question can I ask myself? And the question I ask myself is, Mike, are you growing spiritually? Does 2023 find you deeper into the Word? Closer to God, loving God more than you did last year. If not, why not? And those are questions I ask myself. And these are questions that I must ask you today also. Are you just a casual Christian? Just with the vaccine the inoculation, the shot, known as salvation, to be able to get into heaven. In other words, are you more concerned about avoiding hell than being in love with Jesus? I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Are you not fascinated by being where he is so that you could be? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Or is it the case that you just want enough salvation to not go to hell? Can I read it again? No need for me to add anything to it. I'm just reading it straight from the word. Beloved brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature. Do you know how many times, even at Trinity, I make statements from the pulpit, people completely misunderstand them, and run with a carnal, fleshly view of the comet and create a whole rack of problems. And then you have to realize 1 Corinthians 3 is really correct. There is a waste of time trying to speak to some people spiritually mature because it just creates problems that they cannot handle. The first thing that they need to do, therefore, is turn with me to 2 Peter 
chapter 3 and verse 18. And this is part of our theme for this entire year. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I call upon Mike, myself, and I call upon all you who are listening, whether by Zoom or otherwise, or here in the sanctuary. Are you growing spiritually? Or have you plateaued? Does 2023 July find you a stronger Christian than 2022? Or 2021, or years earlier. Remember, the scripture reminds us that you can be on the point of backsliding in the midst of the congregation. That is what happens when you're no longer growing and going through the motions, and the devil keeps tapping you on the shoulder and showing you all of the fascinating things out there in the world. Your relationship with God dries up. It's not refreshing. It's a task. And you know something is wrong. So the first issue that we deal with today, which is chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4, was the lack of spiritual growth. That was issue number 4. Go with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I want to show you something there before we move on. Philippians chapter 1. Look at verses 21, 22, and 23. Philippians. For me to live is Christ. And today is gain. As a man who was growing spiritually and he wanted to get to the level where he and Jesus would not have this physical separation. 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for you. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. In other words, he didn't just have a, a, a shot to try to get him out of hell. He didn't just want enough salvation to prevent him from going to hell. He wanted to have enough relationship with God that one day he will hear, welcome home. Issue number five. Takes us to the same chapter 3. But we pick up the reading from verse 5. And we go all the way down to verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 5 through 11. 
Who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Aren't both of them just servants of the Lord? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned us to do? This means that one plants and the other waters, but God gives the increase. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each will be rewarded for his own work because they are part of the same team and they are co-workers with God. How should we handle that as a believer? And how do we learn from this as believers? How can we benefit in 2023 from an issue that was happening in the Corinthian church? Personality, politics, the church divided up. This one is for this body and that one is for that body. I already I don't listen to the pastor. I check with, pastor, with brother so-and-so after the service to get my okay. Or I listen to sister so-and-so after the service to get my clarification. I, 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 on and on it goes. I just use myself as an example. Not that anybody told me anything. I'm just using myself as an example. But you have in churches where people who attend the service, they do not take the word for granted that is given from the pulpit until somebody in the pew who is regarded as spiritually deep clears it with them. Personality politics still in the church. Now, go down to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus the Christ. In other words, when it comes to church, how can we benefit from this? When it comes to church, always realize that Jesus is the head of the church. Always realize that the body is the church, the body of Christ. Now, if Jesus is the head of the church, and the church is the body of Christ, who does the church really belong to? If A or B or C, let's run it again. If Christ is the head of the church, and if, the church is really the body of Christ. Who does the church really belong to? The church really belongs to Jesus the Christ. That is what the Apostle Paul was trying to get the Corinthians to understand. That the church was not Paul's church. Apollos' church. Peter's church. This body church, that body church. It was not a combination of cliques and factions, but it was unity and coming together. What can we do about this issue in 2023? First of all, Mike, you need to refocus on Jesus. And Trinity champions, 
we need to refocus on Jesus. If you look at certain pulpits, in other words, when we get up here to teach his word, I am not dramatizing a performance for you to be entertained spiritually. What I am trying to download in you so that you could go out and live victoriously this week. Refocus on Jesus. Let there be more attention drawn to Jesus than the man or the woman behind the microphone. Issue number six brings us to chapter three, verses 12 through 17. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. This church was full of issues. He just goes from one issue to the next issue to the next issue. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to read it in the New King James for you. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, capital D-A-Y, the day, judgment day, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. What was the issue number six? The church had lost sight of the fact the church had lost sight of the fact that judgment day was coming. The church had lost sight of the fact that judgment day was coming. This morning in the truck coming down, my wife and myself were discussing the behavior of certain Christians. Appalling, disappointing, disgusting. And we ended our brief discussion by saying, God is watching. Leave them in God's hands. For that, we said nothing more. The Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church was pointing out that they were behaving up in the church. Like if God was not watching on and that they didn't have to answer to God for nothing that they were doing. Come with me, come with me, come with me. I, I can't help but take you through a few scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
Guess what? Regardless of what your name is, regardless of how long you've been in church, you and I will individually, one-on-one, -on -one, stand before God. The day of judgment is coming. The day of accountability is coming. And we need to stop behaving as though this is the be-all and end-all of Christianity. Uh, how we can do anything and carry on anyway without any sense of accountability. When we steal, God knows we stole. When we lie, God knows we lie. When we are dishonest, God knows we are dishonest. When we are deceitful, God knows we are deceitful. So why not let us get clean in the sight of God and do it right the first time? You could trick a man, but you can't trick God. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. God knows the inner motives for why we do what we do. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5. And this thing of losing focus of judgment day is why people in the church behave the way some, some people in the church behave the way some people in the church behave. They don't believe that God hears them on the phone. They don't believe that God hears them when they're talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody. They don't believe that he's a silent listener to every conversation. They don't believe that he is this unseen guest at every meal. They don't believe those things. They don't believe that the God who keeps us does not slumber nor sleep. They don't believe that whither shall I run from the presence of the Lord if I, make, if I take wings and I fly to the uttermost part of the world. There he will be also. They don't believe that. What do they believe? That we can behave anywhere in a church and we can crawl and scratch and carry on and cuss and fuss and carry on in a religious sense instead of in God's sight, pleasing to God. You see, the way you live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday should be the same way you live on Sunday. Matthew chapter 23, verse 5. Jesus speaking, but all their works, they do to be seen by men. And then he goes on and on and on. That is what is referred to as what? Wood, hay, and stubble. The motive that you're doing what you're doing is so that people could see, not for God, do all things as unto God without murmuring. Oh, that is completely different. I have told you this before. Not at this church, nor the one that I was at previously. But at another church. There was a contractor. A building contractor. Who was part of the assembly. And every time that they asked him to fix anything in the church, he had no time to do it until Sunday morning when the, crowd, the congregation is waiting 
And everybody, all them old sisters used to say, Oh, we thank God for brother such and such. Oh, that he come to change the light bulb. Oh, God bless such and such, brother such and such. I heard my mother in the house. And my mother said, Lord, if his motive is not right, take him out. It's the church building. It's there all week. It's not being rented. It's available. And the only time you could come to fix anything in the church is to hold up the service on a Sunday morning. Repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. If this is not of you, take him out. He went on a flight to Puerto Rico. And as the plane was landing, he died. He never set foot in Puerto Rico. They took him off the plane as a corpse. Me? When my mother prayed, I jump. Y'all can make sports. When my mother prayed, I jump. She has now been dead for 45 years, but he's still jumping. Lord, if this is not of you, take him out. Only, he can only fix the church on a Sunday morning when the congregation is gathering, where everybody's singing his accolades and his this. Oh, oh, wow, wow, wow. And I could not help but remember that when I saw Matthew chapter 23 and verse 5. But all their works they do to be seen of men. You see, if he went to fix the lights and do the stuff during the week when it, the church was available, and nobody, and then the old ladies, nobody, to the accolades, well, how wonderful he is. But God would have seen, and God would have blessed. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Sometimes I, I said to myself, Mike, you, you, you really didn't get your mother's prayers. I need to do some of them praying around. <clears throat> I said, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after death, the judgment. The motive for which you do what you do is what God is looking on. We read this morning, if I give my body to be burnt, if I give away all the goods that I have, but have not love, it profited me what? Nothing. So how can we benefit from this issue? When God looks at me, Mike, does he see a clean motive for why I'm doing what I'm doing? Am I, Mike, really involved with sincere love in the expansion of the kingdom of God? Or is there a hidden agenda for my participation? Am I doing this for dollar bill? Am I doing this for resume? Am I doing this for status and position? Or am I doing it for God? May God find all of us doing whatever we do. For God, from the hearts of love, moving on quickly to the next issue. 
as we jump into the next chapter, this time into 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians is full of issues. You could almost pick up this book at any chapter and start reading it. You'll run into another issue. It's the book of issues. All right. But we can benefit from these issues. Chapter 4. Let us go down to verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. This is issue number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. Issue? What is the issue? The issue is big egos in the church. But tell me that we ain't got that in this day and time. Big egos in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 13. The issue of big egos in the church. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself. In other words, I have used Paul myself, I use you, Apollos, as examples. But you know that in your congregation, I just wasn't calling names. I just used Paul and Apollos as examples. So in other words, when he was saying that these all these cliques and all these fractions, he said that they were around Paul and Apollos and Peter. But really, they were around, 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 and around. Yeah, so he did not call the actual names of the people in the congregation. So he's going on. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. In other words, the big egos that they had in the church was as a result of what? Spiritual pride. I deeper than you. God hears me more than you. I can pray better than you. I can talk better than you. I know more scripture better than you. Spiritual pride. Tell me that the church in God in these still today. Verse 7. You know, when you look at church, you really have to keep your mind on Jesus. Because all these issues, you can still find around today. It's like we haven't benefited from them being recorded and put here so that we can learn. Over the years, I have found that some certain believers, not calling any names, only have a sense of importance when they are talking to you and they are belittling somebody else. They got to be pulling down somebody, assassinating somebody's character for them to feel a sense of importance. And the Apostle Paul is saying, this is what was going on in the Corinthian church. So why is it going on in the churches in 2023? He says, verse 7, for who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, 
God gave out all the gifts. Everything you're moving with is because of God. What is giving you that spiritual pride of intimidating people? Knowing that it, it's just a gift. God gave you the gift, and God can wipe you out. So be humble. But look at verse 8. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish that you did reign, that we also might reign with you. When I read this the first time, I said, Slow down, Mike. What is going on here? You are talking about people who are big spiritual egos functioning in the church with a lot of spiritual pride trying to intimidate everybody around them. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to say that you are full and you are rich and you are reigning. As I pondered on it, the Holy Spirit says, boy, read that again. So I read it again. So I read it in a different version. So I read it in different versions. You know what Paul is doing? Have you ever heard the word irony? What Paul is doing is irony. This is the Corinthian church's opinion of itself. We deep, we heavy, we powerful, we this, we that. And then he goes on to say, I wish you were. And then is when I got it. I wish you were. You are so puffed up with yourself. That I cannot address you unless I use 10, 15 titles in front of your name. But you don't realize how spiritually poor you are. As I pondered on this, I am sure that it has to be the Holy Spirit. But all of a sudden I heard, check Revelation 3. So come with me and go check Revelation 3. That's why I keep telling you all, I heard somebody on the radio say recently, we read our Bibles too quickly. I said to myself, I wonder where they get that from. Because that is something we'll be saying around here for years now. So it's good to hear somebody else saying it now. Revelation 3. Pick up the reading at verse 14. And to the angel of the church... Of Laodiceans, right. These things says the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one. That is what the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthian church. You say you're real hot. Or you wish you were hot. So then, 
because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. In other words, they had a lot of form of Christianity going on up in the place. Remember I told you that there was a lot of tongue speaking going on in, in, in the Corinthian church. Remember I told you that there was a lot of prophecy going along in the Corinthian church. Remember I told you it was a charismatic church. But I told you also it was full of issues. Verse 17. Don't miss 17. Because you, you say, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I said, wow. Now I understand 1 Corinthians Chapter 4. It was irony. And by the way, let me just interject this. A lot of things that you hear people preaching very dogmatically about Christianity this and Christianity that are taken from Corinthians and it was the Corinthian view of Christianity that was corrected by Paul. So a lot of the controversy that you hear going on, oh, Christianity said this and Christianity said that, it was the Corinthian church that said so of themselves. But Paul had to come and correct them. So please stay with sound doctrine. And don't take scripture out of context. Please, please don't. How can I apply this to my life in 2023? By being aware of James chapter 4 and verse 6, God resisted the proud. James chapter 4 and verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of God and he will lift you up. In other words, pride goes before Destruction or fall. How can I benefit from this issue? Stay humble. Mike, stay humble. And to everybody in this church, stay humble. However God wants to use you, whatever gifts God gives you, don't go around intimidating anybody spiritually. Don't be talking down to people. Don't give people the impression that you are so much better spiritually than them. Stay humble. Don't fall into the Corinthian trap. Let's do one more. Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Issue number 8. Issue number 8. Let's do one or two more. I have 13 issues here, but we, we are now at 8, so we're going to do 8 and 9. That will be enough for today. We'll come back next week and try and see what else we can finish off. And in every instance, how can we learn or benefit 
from these. Issue number 8, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Issue number 8, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. The issue of sexual immorality in the church. The issue of sexual immorality in the church. Issue number 8, chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. It has been widely reported that there is gross sexual immorality among you. The kind of immorality that is so revolting is not even tolerated by the social norms of the unbelievers. And yet you are proud of the fact. And you know that one of your men is having sex with his stepmother. Shouldn't this scandal of your church bring you to tears instead of being held up like a trophy? Wow. You see, when it comes to sexual purity, the church is expected to have a higher standard than the general society. When it comes to sexual purity, the church is expected to have a higher standard than the general society. But down through the years, we know that the church has had a whole lot of sexual scandals with babies being aborted, all sort of stuff going on. Sex between priests and boys, sex between priests and nuns, sex between pastors and church secretaries, Sunday school teachers, this, that, that, the other. Down through the years, you can call. Just call. It's been there. But in the Corinthian church, there was such sexual immorality that the people in the society were asking questions about what's going on up at that church. This is in a city where it had the temple of the love God and the priestess who were prostitutes. And yet the people were asking, what's going on up in the church? While the church, read it, read it for yourself, read it for yourself. The church was not mourning about this. The church did not call a prayer and fasting session about it. The church did not do anything about it. The church was holding it up as a trophy of their inclusivity and their tolerance and their non-judgmental approach to society. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Does that sound familiar to anybody? In other words, two consenting adults having sexual 
interactions? Why do we need to get involved in their private business? Very good. Because they're of their sexual lifestyle, why are we telling them that they can't be part of the church? After all, judge not that ye be not judged. Another scripture taken out of context. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. Are we going to bring this home with one more? We won't go all of these that I have here. Not today. Revelation chapter 2. Could I draw your attention to verses 12 through 16? To the church at Pergamos. These things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works. Where you have dwelt with Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of the faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwelt. But I have a few things against you. Because you have there for those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Then on he goes, calling upon you to clean up. Let's take this as the last one. Last one, last one for the morning. Issue number nine. Issue number nine. We can just put away the rest of the notes to another time. Issue number nine. A lack of discipline in the church. A lack of discipline in the church. First Corinthians chapter 5. Pick up the reading from verse 6. All the way down to verse 13. There is a lack of discipline in the church. Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. In other words, stop walking about telling people how inclusive you are or how non-judgmental you are or all that sort of stuff. Where is the Bible base for your behavior? Don't you understand that even a small compromise with sin permeates the entire fellowship just as a little leaven leavens the whole loaf? So remove every trace of the leaven of compromise so that you might become new and pure again. For indeed you are clean through Christ, but you need to take action. I wrote you in my previous letter, Asking you not to associate with those who practice sexual immorality. Yet in no way was I referring to avoiding contact with unbelievers who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or those who worship other gods. 
For that would mean that you would have to isolate yourself from the world entirely. But now I'm writing to you so that you would exclude from your fellowship. So that you would exclude from your fellowship. So that you would exclude from your fellowship. Anyone who calls himself a believer and practices sexual immorality is consumed with greed, is an idolater, is verbally abusive, is a drunkard or a swindler. So it's your duty, verse 13, to remove that person from among you. In other words, there was a lack of discipline in the Corinthian church. Verses 6 through 13, chapter 5, 1 Corinthians. In this day and time, many pastors do not discipline, have discipline in their churches. They claim that God will work things out and that to touch certain persons is to cause them to leave the church. When they leave the church, the attendance will fall, and the church will then be viewed by the other members of the clergy and members of the society as a failure. You all see the rationale? You all see the thinking? So because you are such and such a person in the church, the pastor or the leadership hesitant to discipline you because they feel once they discipline you, you will leave and you will carry your crowd with you and it will impact the attendance of the church. And then in the eyes of the other clergy, the other churches, and the eyes of the society, your church will be viewed as a failure. Do you see anything in there about God? Anybody sees anything in this rationale about God? You see, we have always heard that God is a God of love. That God is a God of mercy. That God is a God of a second chance. But the same Bible tells us that God is a consuming fire. The same Bible tells us that God is a God of order. That God is a God of discipline. Give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. Everybody, give me five minutes. Come with me over into the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Everybody, everybody, quickly, Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. This is the last issue we are dealing with. We'll leave the rest for another day. Come with me over to Joshua chapter 7. The people of God had just had a fantastic victory in Jericho. They had just had a fantastic victory in Jericho. Verse 19 of chapter 6. Verse 19 of chapter 6. The soldiers were told, but all the silver and gold and so on, don't touch nothing, don't touch nothing. 
bring the silver and gold, and we'll consecrate it to the Lord. But all the fancy clothes, all the stuff, take nothing, take nothing, take nothing. But you know, success breeds a mixed multitude. You'll get that later. Success breeds a mixed multitude. And so, the next battle is at AI. And they are defeated at AI. They just had a marvelous victory at Jericho. They are now defeated at AI. Men are killed. Others are wounded. The rest ran away. Joshua tears his clothes and gets down on the ground and starts calling out to God. Joshua chapter 7, verse 10. The Lord tells, said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus face with your face in the ground? 11. Israel has sinned. In other words, you need to clean up house. Sometimes we say we're going to pray about this and pray about that and pray about the other. And the Lord is saying, I ain't doing a thing until you use the authority I've already given you. I ain't doing what I told you to do. So I tell Joshua, get up from praying. Because I ain't sorting this out. You can sort it out. You have the authority to sort it out. And then they found there was a man known as Achan. Look at verse 21 of chapter 7. This is what Achan told Joshua. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them and they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent. They were told, take nothing. Discipline became essential. Let me say a few things quickly as we bring this to a close. They said discipline is to bring to a state of order. It says that discipline helps to improve the possibilities of success. It says that discipline is absolutely essential to maintain success in any area. Discipline is absolutely essential to maintain success in any area. Educators tell us that a school travels on two legs, left, right, left, right, discipline and curriculum. And they tell us that very little is achieved in the curriculum if the discipline is not in place. Psychologists tell us that persons who have been raised in an indisciplined way become menaces to the society. Wow. The main objective of discipline 
is to set things in order for pro progress. If you don't write anything, write that down. The main objective for discipline. The main objective for discipline is to set things in order for progress. It is not to destroy somebody. It is not to publicly embarrass somebody. It is not to crush somebody. You want to restore the person. You want to assist the person. It's a form of tough love. But love, that has to be tough in the interest of long-term success. Here it was. That the Lord demanded of Joshua to have discipline so that they could now move forward and be successful. We have heard down through the years several sermons on sin in the camp. And then when you talk with ministers, they tell you things like, if I don't allow he to do it, who can do it? If I don't allow she to do it, who gonna do it? What the church gonna sound like if they don't turn up? What people gonna feel like if they don't come to the church no more? And I ask myself all the time, where is God in any of this? If you're gonna be successful as a hairdresser, you're gonna need discipline. If you're gonna be successful as a nurse, you will need discipline. If you're going to be successful in the gym, you will need discipline. And a lot of y'all should have said amen to that one. How many of us have wasted hundreds and hundreds of dollars in membership fees at gyms and indiscipline has us in the same boat of fellowship today. Praying for a miracle of our bodies. When the Lord says, stop praying and go and exercise. The Pentecostal church says, every answer is in a prayer meeting. I say no. Every answer is in God. God told Joshua, get up, put the house in order, and things will move forward. The reason and objective for discipline is to put things in order for progress. Ask the military, why do they have discipline in the military? Why doesn't each policeman do whatever each policeman feels like doing? Why does each soldier not do whatever every soldier feels like doing? For progress. This week there was an article in a newspaper pointing out that how discipline is like a zipper that once the zipper starts to spoil, it opens and destroys. Trinity, 
these things that are written in 1 Corinthians are not written for us just to get head knowledge, not just for us to pass a Bible exam, get a diploma or a degree in theology, but these things are written so that we could learn or we could apply them to our lives. May you and I, may we live lives of discipline. When you get up, fix your bed. Discipline. Don't go to sleep or leave the sink full of dishes. Discipline. 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 On and on and on. Discipline. The Lord bless you with a car, wash it. Discipline. On and on. Not just spiritual things, but life in general. And so, if the world needs discipline to put things in order for progress, you know what is holding up so many churches today? A lack of discipline. You could be in a nightclub, walking up, doing bad, go home 3 o'clock in the morning, have an hour sleep, and then be on somebody's pulpit the next Sunday morning. Within a few hours, say, holy, holy, holy. I know what I'm talking about. I ain't calling no names. Discipline. Spend time in the Word. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Well, that brings us to a close for today. I want to thank you for giving me as much time as you did. I would like you to know that I, I put away a number of them that we could get to another time. May God continue to bless you as you develop a closer relationship with God. Heavenly Father, every time we look into 1 Corinthians and we see the issues in the church, our heart aches. Oh, God, I bring myself before you. I bring every Trinity champion before you. Let not one of us, oh, my God, contribute to any of these issues that we see over and over in the Corinthian church. Lord, these are written so that we could learn and we could avoid them and stay away from them. And I ask, oh God, for myself and all of our Trinity champions that we stay away from these issues. Lord, help us to grow spiritually. Help us, oh Lord, to see Jesus as the head of the church. Help us, oh God, not to get ourselves involved in sexual immorality. And Lord, when there is need for discipline in the church, Lord, let there be things put in order for progress. Lord, we see with the case of AI, how discipline was needed and the lack of discipline caused death. People were killed. People were injured. Progress didn't take place. So I ask you, oh God, help Trinity to progress. Keep Trinity as a church of order and help us to go forward to become all that you would have us to be. And we claim a breakthrough in every life here today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. 
Trinity Outreach Ministries International, growing and going by increasing in the knowledge of God.